Wow, you guys are like chatty this morning. That's good. That's good. You can keep chatting after the service. Okay, no more chatting now. Okay, I get to chat now. But before we uh, get into the message, this isn't part of the message, but I thought as, as I get up here this morning, I just I, I feel a need to just pause for a moment and just pray. John the Baptist, if you're familiar with this, John the Baptist, as Jesus was, was becoming more and more known and, and uh, popular, uh, John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. And it's a good practice for, for all of us uh, at times just to pause and say, he must become greater and I must become less. So I just want to do that this morning uh, as we move into our message. So if you pray with me, Father, um, we ask that. Uh, Lord, that Jesus would become greater in our view. Jesus, you are, you are so beautiful, powerful, full of grace. And we, we need more of you. And I need far less of me. So may you increase in our view, in our affections, in our attention over these next few moments. May you increase and may I decrease. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, people practice faith in our world in this very wide variety of ways. A number of years ago, I was at a different church, and a young lady came to me after service, and she said, I want to get your input and your counsel on a relational issue that I'm dealing with. And so she proceeds to tell me this story of how that week, she was a college student. She had been in class, and she met this guy. And she's thinking, wow, you know, there's a little bit of spark there. Things were kind of looking good. So they, they met, and they weren't on a date yet, but uh, she's thinking, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing him again when I go back to class. And so she met him in class, and on her way out to her car, she found a quarter on the ground. And first of all, the quarter was face up, so that, that was a good sign. She took that as a good sign. And then on the quarter, the, the date was, we'll say, you know, 1994. And so she proceeded to say, you know, I realized that this guy and I, we're, we're both 19. So 1994, so 19. Then the next number was a 9, and she realized it's September. And we met in September, and then she, then it was 1994, and she's like, I realized I've had three boyfriends, and now this would be my fourth boyfriend if he asked me out. And so then, and you're, you're laughing, she, she was dead serious, and then she's like, and so my, this quarter was on the ground, it was five steps from my car, and I, I started thinking, if he asks me out, and we go out on a date, then when we get to that fifth date, I'm thinking that's when I'm going to know for sure. This, this is the guy. And so she tells me this whole story and then she pauses and she says, what do you think? <laughs> and there are times as a pastor where you, you just can't be fully honest with someone about, you know, what, what you think. And so I, I pointed her to, to say, you know what, uh, you know, why don't we just think about scripture? Why don't we think about what, what scripture says about character and like what, what kind of character does this guy, that's what I'm always saying to my kids when they say so-and-so is cute. I'm like, well, what about his character? Let's, let's talk about that. I mean, what is, what kind of person does, does God call us to, to be married to? And so, but, but her whole view was based on this, this number system. Some people, and you know, you guys are laughing, but I mean, this was serious for her. People put their faith and trust in all kinds of things. They practice faith in all kinds of ways. 
I mean, talking about other world religions. This is maybe a little more serious. We could take this more seriously. Muslims, for example, would say you need to pray in a certain direction a certain number of times a day. That's a way to practice a faith and belief system. Some people bring offerings to to statues. Um, Even in our Christian circles, there there are people who watch someone on TV who tells them, if you will give to this ministry, if you'll give financially to this ministry, if you will sow into this ministry, it'll be multiplied back to you. There's all kinds of ways to practice and view faith. And we're actually at a time in our culture, for better or for worse, when our culture views it uh, respectfully, if it, somebody has any kind of faith at all. I mean, there's a term that I'm hearing more and more often that, uh, that says a person of faith. If someone is a person of faith, that is said respectfully because they have some kind of faith. Even the person who may be using that term may have no faith of their own at all. Maybe they're an atheist and they don't believe anything, but they'll respect someone else who believes and practices differently. So I'm all for being respectful, but I, I have to ask the question this morning, are all faiths created equal? I mean, is it, is it the case that I can choose an object of faith and a way to practice my faith and expect that whatever I choose, I can expect a similar kind of outcome? I mean, I would suggest to you this morning, no. I I don't think we can say that all faiths are equal. And to give you an example that maybe you can relate to from your from your own experience, probably you and I have both had the experience of putting our faith in another person, and that person at some point let us down. I mean, our faith was sincere, our faith was wholehearted, we really believed that that person was going to keep their word or follow through on whatever it was that they said that they were going to do, but somewhere along the line, they're imperfect and they were not able to keep their commitment. So while our faith may be sincere, if the object of our faith is not trustworthy or able to deliver what it is that we're believing, then our our faith is really not going to, to work very well. And so today we're, we're going to talk about some moments in our life when we, when we desperately need an object of faith who is able to deliver on, on what they promise. And, and those moments in our lives have to do with disease and death. Because there will, there will be times where either you yourself or someone close to you who you love will come up against a disease that is too much for a doctor to handle. With all the technology we have, all the knowledge we have, they're going to come up against something that is just too much. And then they may be on death's doorstep or even go beyond that. And at those moments, we realize how little control we really have in life. Right? Because, I mean, sometimes we like to think we're pretty in control. We got, we got things, you know, going. And when we come up against a disease... Or, or death, we realize we, we really can't control very much at all. And it's at those moments when we need to put our faith in someone who has power over those things. And so this morning, what, what we're going to see is a case study of some people who put their faith in a person who, who was able to deliver, and he was able to deliver for you and I too. So if you take a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 8... If you don't have a Bible with you, 
There are some white ones there on, on your sheet. And Luke 8 is on page 959. If you're joining us for the first time at Grace Point, we, we've been in a series that, that we're calling Everyday Jesus. And we called it that not because Jesus is commonplace, but because Jesus is able to meet us in our everyday and to, to kind of see how he does that. We're, we're looking back 2,000 years to when Jesus was walking through his everyday. And so we're seeing how he interacted with people so we can know what to expect as he interacts with us. And so if you are here for the first time, we're, we're talking about faith. A lot of these messages in, in Luke chapter 7 through 9 have to do with faith. What does faith look like? How does it operate? What is required of us as we act in faith? And so if you're new to Grace Point or if you're new to the idea of faith, maybe you're just exploring this morning, maybe somebody dragged you along and you're not quite sure why you're, you're here, it may be that your concept of faith is something like this. Shut your brain off. I mean, that's, that's the way some people view faith is, you know, faith is this blind leap that you just believe what somebody else says and you really just have to shut your brain off to do that. And so what I would humbly suggest to you this morning is that there are rational reasons, logical, historical reasons why we believe that these scriptures are true that we look at week after week after week. And we're not going to delve into all the details of those logical reasons and historical reasons, but if, if that's where you're at, if you're questioning those things, I would really invite you to get in touch with me or one of our staff someone on our leadership, because we can point you to resources or even people to help you kind of answer some of those questions. So this morning, we're we're not focusing on those details, but what we're focusing on is a, a clear picture of what faith looks like and how it can operate, how it should operate in our lives. So Jesus has been doing amazing things, and he has attracted a lot of attention. And so we're going to start in verse 40. Of Luke chapter 8. It says, When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Okay, we just sang a song that talks about waiting for, for him. We should get the context here of knowing where Jesus returned from. If you missed the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago, Jesus left from his, his homeland of Judea, of, of Israel, traveled across the Sea of Galilee, stilled a storm, calmed a storm on the way, and then got to Gentile territory last week where he drove demons out of a man. After he had done that, the people in that community said, this is too much for us. We really don't want you around Jesus. Thanks, but no thanks. Why don't you go back home? And so he goes back across the Sea of Galilee. That's where we meet him here. That's why he's returning. And there's a crowd welcoming him because they were all waiting for him. Verse 41. There came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. So here's a desperate man coming because his his only daughter is dying. I mean, I've walked with families over the years and individuals through various trials in life, there's, there's not any that is, is much more heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching than facing the loss of a child. So you can imagine the, the angst that this man is feeling, and he, he's desperate. 
So it says he came, he fell at Jesus' feet, which in, in his day, like for, he, he's a man of standing because he's the ruler of the synagogue. So for someone to fall at someone's feet, that's a humiliating kind of gesture. He is desperate and he implored Jesus to come to his house. And so if, as we read on, it says Jesus went and the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. All right, so we've got two needs going on here. We have a dad who's coming with a a daughter who is on her deathbed. And then we get a new character introduced. There's this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, chronic illness. So we've got two very different kinds of situations. We've got a little girl. We've got an older woman. We've got a chronic illness that's been going on for 12 years. And then we've got a little girl who probably has something acute that has just come up recently, but it's, it's been powerful in her life and it's, it's threatening to take her life. So we've got these two situations. They're joined by this time frame of 12 years. So the woman's been bleeding for 12 years and the little girl is 12 years old. Okay, so 12 years is, is a pretty long time. A lot happens in 12 years. I mean, if we think back 12 years, it was 2005. So some of the things that were going on in 2005 was uh, Hurricane Katrina happened. I know some of you actually went down to help with, with cleanup on that. Uh, what else happened in 2005? The bird flu, was uh, that was kind of a, a fear that people had. Do you remember that? Like people were like stocking stuff in their house and they were afraid they weren't going to be able to go out. Okay, so bird flu. And then for those of you who are into this, um, Star Wars Episode Three came out, and we found out how, how did Anakin become Darth Vader? I mean, that, it filled in that missing piece for us. This was 12 years ago. This woman has been bleeding for 12 years. She spent everything that she had on physicians, and she's desperate to get to Jesus. She has heard what Jesus can do, and, and when this says, when this account says that the crowds were pressing in on Jesus... That word, when it's translated, every other place that it's translated in the New Testament, it's translated as choking. It's the idea that it's hard to breathe. I mean, that's how, that's how these crowds were pressing in on people. And that's, that suggests to us how hard this man and this woman had to work to get to Jesus. Which suggests to us that, that faith is pursuing the right person with persistence. I mean, that's what we see in both this, this dad and this woman. They're pursuing the right person, the right object of their faith. They're pursuing him, and it takes some work for them to get to him. He's the, Jesus is the right object of our faith. Okay, Not numbers on a coin. Not 
praying a certain way, not the behaviors that we do, not listening to an inspirational speaker. None of those are the object of our faith. Jesus, the object of our faith is a person. The object of our faith is not behaviors. It's not even a belief system. It's a person, and his name is Jesus. And this man and this woman both knew that, and that's why they were making their way to him, but it was hard to get to him. And so sometimes when you're making your way to the object of our faith, to the person who is at the center of our faith, sometimes it's going to be difficult. That is a lesson for us, I think, in, in our day and age, because sometimes I think, and I hear people talk about faith as a feeling. And I either feel it or I don't. And you know what? Today, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. So, I'm not going to open my Bible I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to bother going to church. I'm just not feeling it. I'll wait till the feeling comes back. Well, what we see here is, it is faith is not a feeling. Faith sometimes is work. Faith sometimes is pressing past the distractions that are between Jesus and us. And so another place that we see that word pressing or choking, if you were here a few weeks ago for the parable of the soils, that, that word came up there. If you flip back for a minute to Luke eight fourteen, It's talking about these four different types of soils and how the word of truth falls on each of them and some of them grow and some of them don't. In verse 14, it says, As for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. So here we see things that choke in the same way that this crowd is pressing around Jesus and making it difficult to get to him. It gives us a list of some of the common things that choke out our faith. Cares and riches and pleasures of life. So how often do the cares of your life appear so big that you can't see Jesus on the other side? How often do riches and pleasures become such distractions that we can't set those things aside and make our way to Jesus? These things are in, in danger of getting between us and Jesus. And sometimes it takes work to set them aside and say, I'm going to pursue the person that I need to get to with persistence, like this man and this woman did. So, Jesus pauses in the midst of the crowd, back now to uh, verse 46. Jesus pauses in the midst of this crowd, and he says, somebody touched me. Who, who is it that, that touched me? Verse 46, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. All right, this woman is trembling. I mean, she, she is not eager to identify her, herself. Why, why would that be? Well, I mean, keep in mind that she, she's been bleeding for 12 years. And none of the, the gospel offers authors identify why she was bleeding, but it's very, very possible that she, it was menstrual bleeding that was just going on and on and on, was not stopping. And if that was the case, 
then what that would mean is that she was considered unclean by the Old Testament law. And so anyone she touched would become unclean. And so here she is in a situation where she has deliberately gone after touching the hem of Jesus' garment. And she's thinking, if I reveal... And now Jesus is calling her out. And if, if she reveals that, she's thinking, here, I touched a rabbi who's this respected person. What if he gets upset with me and says, how could you touch me? How could you make me unclean? What if he takes back the healing? So she's, no wonder she is trembling but Jesus doesn't respond that way at all. He, he responds very tenderly, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith in me has made you well. Go in peace. See, I think that Jesus paused and asked the question, who touched me? And he paused and called her out, not because he didn't know who did it. It's possible that he didn't know who did it, but I doubt that's the reason. I think he, he called her out because he wanted her to know who healed him, who healed her. He wanted there to be no mistake about that. He wanted an interchange with her, which he would not have had if they had just kind of gone on their own way. And he wanted everybody else who was standing around to know that this healing had taken place and that Jesus was responsible for it. If he hadn't paused, if she hadn't shared her story, it, it's, Luke says here, she declared in the presence of all the people how she had touched him and immediately she had been healed. If she hadn't shared her story, none of those other people would have known what Jesus did in that moment. It's really important in our community of faith that we share with each other the stories of what Jesus is doing in our life. It's really important to bolster one another's faith, to hear from someone else, here's what God did for me in this, this last week or this last month. This is the opportunity that we have in the groups that we meet with. And so many of you are in groups that are just meeting a few times here over the summer to have some fun. Take opportunity as you meet, even if you're just getting together for a picnic, take opportunity to spend a few moments as a group and say, what has God been doing in your life this summer? And share those, those stories so that we can be mutually encouraged, so that we can give God glory for what he's doing and be mutually encouraged. That's what we do in groups. As we gather again in groups in this fall, if you're not in a group, get into a group this fall so you can be encouraged as you hear. We don't have time in this large of a group to share all the stories, but in, when you get into a small group, you can share those stories and be encouraged. This is what happens when someone is baptized. Someone is sharing their story of what God has done, the change that God has made in their life. This picture is from a baptism a couple of years ago, a young lady named Jessica, who had the courage, she pressed past her fear. See, sometimes to share our story, you have to press past your fear, like this woman in our story did, and to say, okay, I'll be willing to get up in front of everybody and give testimony to say, Jesus is changing my life, and, and here's what he's doing. So, so Jessica was baptized a couple of years ago, and then just a few weeks ago, Jessica sent to us, uh, sent to the staff, her uh, further testimony, further story of what God is doing in her life. And you're going to get the chance to read that, because we're going to put that in our annual report that comes out here in, uh, in just a couple of months. So that's a little teaser for our annual report. If you think, oh, ho-hum, annual report, boring, I'm not going to read that. You will want to read that because God's been doing amazing things in her life. And we all get encouraged when we share that. That's one of the purposes of baptism. 
If you are a follower of Jesus and you have not been baptized yet, baptism is your next step in your faith journey. And I know it may take some courage to get up in front of people and, and you don't even necessarily have to say a whole lot when, when you're up here, but just the fact that you're up here is encouraging all of us by knowing that here's another person that God is changing their, their life. So if, if you haven't been baptized yet, God may be calling you out uh, as he called out, as Jesus called out this lady uh, this morning. For, he may be calling you out. To, to be baptized, let, let one of us know that you're, you're ready to take that step and we will help you walk through that. If you have another kind of a story, another kind of a testimony, we have an email address. We would love for you to share your stories with us, stories at gracepointpa.org. We won't share your story unless we get your permission, but it's an opportunity for all of us to get to hear what God is doing in your life. Press past your fear and pursue the right person with persistence. So, Jesus heals this woman after 12 years. Okay? So that's great, but can you imagine, Jairus is still standing there watching all of this. Imagine, let's get back to him. Okay, what is he thinking by now? If, if I, here, honestly, if I'm Jairus, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, lady, I'm, I'm really sorry about your condition, but I mean, you've had this for 12 years. Could you maybe, you could go for another couple of days, right? I mean, we got to get to my daughter. I mean, he's feeling the urgency. We've got to get to my daughter. He's feeling that. And then in verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from the ruler's house and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. See, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't like God's timeline. Okay, sometimes God seems to get sidetracked with somebody else's issue when I think he should be focusing on mine. Some, sometimes he's on my issue when I think, why, why are you bothering with me right now? Somebody over here needs, I, sometimes it just doesn't make any sense to me. But what we see in, in this scene is that, that God really has a plan. The, the delay is always part of the plan. And, and Jesus says, don't fear, just keep believing, keep holding on to your faith, keep persisting in your faith, even when there is a delay. And even when other people are saying, like this messenger said, don't trouble the teacher anymore. We don't need to bother Jesus anymore. Jesus can't handle this. There are voices that will say that. This is too much for Jesus. And Jesus says, quietly, don't fear. Just keep believing. Keep persevering. And the dad does. He, he keeps pressing on. See, he didn't have to. He could have listened to the messenger and said, okay, Jesus, forget it. Um, and been resentful of this woman for the rest of his life because he thought if we just could have gotten there before she died. But he doesn't. The dad perseveres and in verse 51 it says, when Jesus came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But Jesus said, do not weep for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. 
Isn't it interesting how these people go from weeping, mourning, grieving, and in an instant they're laughing, ridiculing Jesus. That's another obstacle that we sometimes encounter as we're seeking to put our faith in Christ. Is that We've got somebody over here telling us Jesus can't do anything for you. It's too big for him. We've got somebody over here saying that they're ridiculing Jesus. Why would you ever even put your faith in him? But uh, verse 54, but taking the little girl by the hand, he called saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So we should see, as we're studying these different miracles and these different amazing things that Jesus does, really the point of these is not so much the, the miracle, because Jesus has so much power. I mean, he barely speaks, and this girl is risen from the dead. It, the point is not, it does show us that Jesus has power, and that's important, but I think it's so important for us to see how these people are interacting and how Jesus treats them, because you and I need to learn how to exercise our faith. In Jesus, And this man perseveres in his faith past the delays, and he takes Jesus at his word, who says, don't fear, keep believing. And it turns out that the delay was part of the plan, because if they had gotten there before the girl had died, that would have been impressive. I mean, it's impressive to be able to touch someone and heal them instantly, but to raise the dead. I mean, now we're talking about a whole nother level of power. And you may be in the midst of something right now where you're waiting for God to do something. And you're feeling like he has delayed. And why don't you get a move on? And if you had just intervened at this point, we wouldn't have all this more problem. And I, I just want us to see from this scene here this morning that the delay is part of the plan. From God's perspective, Whatever delay you're experiencing is part of the plan, and he, Jesus just says, don't, don't fear. Just keep believing. Keep persisting. Okay, faith is pursuing the right person with persistence. Sometimes you're going to have to keep holding on even when it doesn't feel like it makes any sense. I suspect that you will encounter some obstacle to your faith this week. I predict that something is going to get in between you and Jesus and make it hard to, to get to him. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. See, that not seen part is an obstacle in and of itself, isn't it? I mean, we want to see things happen. We want to be able to touch it, feel it. We, we want it going on right in front of our eyes. And when we can't see something, that's an obstacle in and of itself. And then we got voices saying, well, Jesus can't really help you. Or we've got other people who are ridiculing Jesus. So we, we've got obstacles that we have to press past. And in the middle of all that, Jesus is quietly saying to you and me, don't fear. Keep believing. Keep persisting. Keep pressing forward. Walter Payton was a famous football player and uh, racked up a lot of yards on the field to the tune of, of uh, two commentators were talking and, and one of them said, 
do you realize that Walter Payton carried the football nine miles over the course of his career? And the other one said, the, the really amazing thing about that is that he carried it that nine miles, three and a half yards at a time, getting knocked down every time by someone who was twice his size. But he got up every time and kept pressing forward. And I think we need to realize this morning that, that faith is not a feeling. Faith sometimes is work to keep standing back up and keep moving towards the person who is the object of our faith, moving past the obstacles, not letting them keep us down, but continuing to move towards him with persistence and trusting his plan. Father, um, we, we want to keep moving towards Jesus. Lord, we're a room full of people that are easily distracted, easily distracted by the cares of this world, by, by riches and the pleasures of life. We're easily distracted by voices that speak into our, our ears and tell us that Jesus really can't handle the problem, the mountain that we face. Lord, help us in the midst of that to to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep pressing through that crowd that sometimes feels like it's choking the breath out of our lungs, but to keep pressing towards the one who is the ultimate object of our faith, the one who has power over, over storms, over nature, over demons, over disease, and even over death. Lord, help us to trust your timeline. Help us to trust that even in the delays, you still have a plan. And help us to keep moving towards you, Jesus. And we look forward to the day when you will clean up everything that we see around us, when you will put away all storms, all disease, all death, all demons. We look forward to the day when you will rule over all things. And in the meantime, as we wait, help us to keep pressing towards you with persistence and endurance. It's in your name we pray. Amen.